But how do we empower people to be ready before the event happens? Welcome to the Firefighter Craftsmanship Podcast, where we give you real tools to train ultimate humor performance both on and off the emergency scene. I'm your host, Kevin Housley. Let's get to it. Firefighter Craftsmanship Podcast is brought to you by BruteForceTraining.com. Enter the code FIREFIGHTERCRAFTSMANSHIP at checkout for 10% off your entire order. Brute Force Training provides unstable and odd object load training systems that are adaptable to meet whatever needs you want, and they will absolutely give you all that you can handle. Check out their new adaptive filler design, which allows customization down to five pound increments. This is a great option for ease of entry for yourself and your crew to get relevant odd object training that will help you perform on the emergency scene. So BruteForceTraining.com and enter the code FIREFIGHTERCRAFTSMANSHIP for a 10% off your entire cart. Hey everybody, Kevin Housley here, excited for another episode of the Firefighter Craftsmanship Podcast. Today we're going to talk about building resilience before you need it. And if we look at a historical perspective of the fire service, at least since I've been involved in fire service or emergency services starting in 2005, the narrative around resiliency, mental health, um, things like PTSD, recovery, mental fitness is all pretty new. And if I already think back to when I was a probie sitting at the firehouse kitchen table, there was really no conversations happening around resilience or mental fitness other than, yeah, and you just got to suck it up. Like we're going to see some bad stuff sometimes and you need to figure out what ways to deal with that. Um, I remember the interview process had a question specifically about how are you going to deal with with tough days at work, but it was all call-based and related to the calls. And from even having that question in the interview process, it really started to give permission to us as emergency services personnel or firefighters specifically. Um, it allowed us to start kind of considering that and realizing, hey, this might be kind of an important thing. And over the last 18 years, that's really kind of grown into a, a much healthier conversation, but we still honestly have a long ways to go. And a lot of organizations, when we talk about resilience or the organizations that we're fortunate enough to work with, with firefighter craftsmanship, they do have tools and processes in place, or at least they're starting to work towards that. Things like peer support teams, um, professional organizations that they're working with, psychologists that are maybe um, not necessarily on staff, but on retainer where people can use it. Um, EAP programs through their health insurance, all really, really positive stuff. But when we look at most emergency services organizations or any organization's mental health programs and processes, almost all of them are built on a reactionary state other than physical fitness. But physical fitness for a lot of our organizations is just something that we're either mandated or encouraged to do. And some of you that we've seen across the country teaching classes you literally have zero dollars of budget for physical fitness equipment. You have to bring it in from your house or round up some dollars from everybody at the firehouse and buy your own equipment. And you do you you figure out how to make do, um, but that that's really what it's about. Is like, hey, uh, you you guys should work out. Fitness is really really important. It's you know, cancer is certainly in the conversation now, but still a lot of departments cite cardiac as being the number one killer of firefighters, and we really need to be physically fit. And that's where that conversation starts so or stops. So today we're going to talk about building resilience, um, both physical and mental resilience, 
but not in a state where like, oh man, I hope I can deal with whatever the traumas are that I'm going to experience or see along the way. But how do we empower people to be ready before the event happens? And there's some pretty good stuff out there right now that, hey, maybe the biggest stressor on our people and on ourselves isn't actually the trauma that we see based on 911 response. Maybe it's the things that are happening from organizational culture, firehouse culture, culture off the job, um, standards and um, unforeseen um, or unprecedented requirements that we place upon ourselves and, and the chronic stress that's associated with that. So let's dive into resilience and, and what does that actually mean and how can we build resilience before we actually need it? So the definition of resilience from Webster is capable of withstanding shock without permanent deformation or rupture or tending to recover from or adjust easily to misfortune or change. So basically, can it bend and not break and spring back to form? And that's a pretty good place for us to start, but I'd encourage you to think about what does resilience or being resilient actually mean to you personally? And for me, I think resilience is not an avoidance of pain or necessarily seeking it out either. Yes, we need to put ourselves in, in compromised situations in places like the gym um, and or a cold bath or maybe even heat exposure, things like that, where we're intentionally stressing our body um, and we can control those, those factors. We definitely need to be stressing our body in, in basic skills training as well, but not 100% of the time. So not an avoidance of pain or, or necessarily seeking it out either of just how can I suffer better longer. But instead, really, resilience to me is the ability to bend, morph, adapt to various situations both on the job and off the job, meaning in the firehouse, at home, at the kitchen table trying to help a kid with homework, or even out in the community, right? When you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off, are you being resilient in how you react to that? Does that resilience change? Is it the morning after shift change? Is it a couple days after? Are you getting mandoed every third, fourth day and working way over your 56-hour work week? Are you working 80-hour work weeks? How does that impact your resilience? The reality is things are going to sting on this job. We're going to run some nasty calls, and that's what we've raised our hand and said that we would do. And we need to be prepared in our physical fitness, our mental fitness, and our basic skills to be prepared to figure out those situations, overcome them, and try to do the best good that we possibly can for the customer. So we know that things are going to sting, but we also know things are going to sting in relationships. We know that as a leader, as you work your way up as a leader, whether you're promoted or not, if you're a leader in the firehouse or in the police department or an EMS division, you're going to have to have rough conversations and you're going to have to have resilience to have those things. You're going to have, you're going to experience feedback that's maybe negative, maybe undue criticism. You're going to have to have resilience on how to overcome some of those things. So it really also empowers us by really when we start to dive into what does resilience mean to me? It empowers us to be okay asking for help. We can use things like physical fitness, mindfulness, sauna, cold exposure, yoga nidra, sleep replacement. And then certainly we can use professional help with uh, psychologists, EAP, peer support teams. Um, and we can also use those relationships that we have both at work, so your crew, Hopefully you have healthy, positive relationships or you're working towards positive relationships with your crew, your shift. 
um, and uh, also off the job. And so are those relationships off the job a positive force for you that are helping you build resilience or are they taken out of that resiliency pot? We really need to make sure that we're, you know, including dumping the bad stuff so we become tougher and more pliable along the way. And when I talk about tougher, it doesn't mean that I'm tougher in being able to uh, bend even further um, and not be able to to have anything bother me and to lose all empathy, to have um, less humility, be standoffish or disengage with the job. That's not what I'm talking about. So we don't want to be so tough that we're actually really, really brittle. We want to become tougher that it's like, hey, I start to identify those internal cues of, all right, it's time to go talk to my my psychologist that I can work with or my peer support team or my counselor, um, or I need to make sure I take a rest day today because I'm feeling really rough and I don't need to get after it um, in the gym so much. I'm going to go actually take a nap instead. Or the vice versa, right? Like I'm taking tons and tons of naps. So I can't ever figure out how to get um, unsleepy. I'm really apathetic. We need to figure out how to get tougher there too. So when we're we're overly parasympathetic, when we're in apathetic or depression, um, we figure out ways to get a little bit tougher where we can kind of right the ship and get back into that good level playing field within that window of tolerance like we talked about in episode one. So how can individuals, how can we as individuals build resilience before we need it? I think the biggest thing it starts is exactly what we're talking about is what's a healthy perspective of what resilience means to me? How do I define resilience? How do I track if I'm being resilient? How do I give my pers- myself permission to not always be completely resilient? Like some stuff that we do on this job should bother you, right? But it shouldn't bother you for long, long periods of time. And there are tools and resources out there to help you get rid of that stuff. But if nothing bothers you on this job, that's also a a serious indicator that you probably need to go talk to somebody and use some of these resources that we're talking about, or potentially even look for a career change. I think we also need to have a healthy perspective of what this job actually entails. We know that this job is going to try us. There's going to be days that are really, really, really hard. And there is a time to suck it up, pull up your boots and get after it. And then once that event is over, all right, now let's use our healthy things to get rid of that trauma and get rid of that stress, which doesn't necessarily include the whiskey bottle, okay? So what are those things, healthy perspective of what this job is, is what it's gonna entail and what the possibilities are. The emergency services are tasked with doing lots and lots of stuff. And if we look at you know, 2023 compared to 2005, there's a whole new risk that we have to deal with out in the community on multiple different factors. So really building resilience before we need it starts with awareness and awareness is foundational. Where am I today? What are maybe some of those hot points that I need to address? What are some things that I'm pretty concerned about and how do I address them? What's that conversation once I start having awareness about where where am I actually at today? Where is that conversation in my head? And is that a positive or negative conversation? We need to have sounding boards. We need to have quality relationships both at work and at home. And so build those things. And if you don't have those, call an academy mate that you went through or call somebody that you know from another fire department, right? Reach out to us. We'll try to connect you with people in your area that that are doing positive things. Hit us up on social media. We'll build a community of people that are doing positive stuff in the human performance space. And you'll have plenty of people to use as a sounding board 
and uh, to fact check you and give you good tools and resources along the way. Building routines that are healthy with sleep, nutrition, hydration, also including quiet time, rest days, um, which and quiet time specifically without your phone. And so we've talked a little bit already about the impact of social media. That data is out there. We know that there are thousands of the smartest PhDs and MDs that are working for these major social media companies. And they're trying to figure out how to make their platforms even more irresistible because your eyeballs are the commodity that they're selling to advertisers. So that's a really hard battle to win by ourselves. So just realize like you need to make sure you put the phone down, you put the computer down, you turn the TV off and you have some good quiet time without that. Things like mindfulness practices, um, sitting in a cold tub, working on a breath routine, just going outside, going for a 30 minute walk. All those things are really, really good. So what are your routines that are healthy? And as soon as you start to deviate from those routines, do you realize that that's happening and can instantly recognize that of, hey, I don't, I used to take a walk every single day and now I don't, I haven't taken one in two weeks. That's probably a good red flag for you to tie into of, hey, something's off and I need to figure out what it is and how to get rid of it and then get back into a good coherent state. Take a day off every once in a while, not necessarily calling in sick or, but definitely use your paid time off. So take a day off, take a rest day from the gym, just enjoy it. Spend some time with your family, go on a hike, go skiing, go to a hockey game, whatever it is that you really enjoy doing, just take a day off. Focused physical fitness training that balances how you are actually feeling. And so meaning if I get off work and we worked at 48 and didn't get any sleep, I probably shouldn't go to the gym and get after it on the air bike. That's not going to be a good choice. And so, yes, that's going to help um, in some circumstances to get rid of stress, getting after it on an air bike. But in that situation there with sleep deprivation and all that stuff, that is not what my body needs is another acute, nasty stressor. Um, It needs rest and recovery. And then maybe on day two, day three, I can get back into, into how that goes. So what does your focused physical fitness training look like? And are you intentionally using things like period, um, periodization that really, really can help you be focused and stay on task so you're not just always lifting one muscle group, um, overuse injuries, things like that. Use the resources that you have before you need them. This is a huge one. So hopefully most of, of your departments out there have peer support teams, peer support groups, and they also have professionals that you can, that you can use. So use those people and go talk to them and figure out what other resources. If talk therapy isn't for you, that's great. Figure out something that is, but use the resources that you have available. And if they aren't available to you, then do the hard work and create them because there are not only do you need them, but other people on your fire department need them and your communities that you serve both internally and externally need that. Breathing. And we're going to talk about breathing a whole lot on this podcast and making sure that you're breathing right all the time. Okay. So we talked a little bit about that on the window of tolerance and gave you a little bit of breath protocol. So check out episode one, window of tolerance. It'll give you a good breath protocol to just down-regulate. But how are you breathing? How are you breathing when you're sitting there watching a football game? How are you breathing when you're watching TV? How are you breathing when you're warming up, working out? How are you breathing when you're having that tough conversation at home or at work? And start to be, tie it back to awareness is foundational and figure out, oh man, I start to hyperventilate when I get in those situations, okay? 
be aware of the conversation that's happening in your head. So the most important conversation that happens is within that six inches between your ears. And really, are you talking to yourself or are you listening to yourself? And we really want to make sure that we're talking to ourselves, that we're controlling that inner voice. I like to call it the drunk roommate that lives between our ears. So are we controlling that voice or are we just listening to that voice? And that voice more often than not is negative. So if we can control that voice, now we can spin that into a positive situation and positive outlook on things and a positive internal narrative builds resilience by itself. Now, if you're in a position as a a formal leader and you're promoted, um, or all of you are informal leaders, so everybody here is a leader for sure. So how can we as leaders build cultural or team resilience at our level of influence? And I don't care if you're a probie with one day on the job or you're a fire chief with 40 years on the job, you both have tremendous amounts of influence. One of you has more impact than influence. Um, as uh, Chief Brush talks about, you know, if, if a fire chief makes a decision and puts it out to the members, like that has tremendous impact, but it doesn't necessarily have influence. They're gonna do it because they were told to do it. Um, where a junior member who's really getting after it and has, has a good positive outlook on things and is building programs and providing tools and doing the hard, lonely work and including other people, they have a ton of influence and they might actually have the most influence depending on the size of an organization. So as leaders, I think if we can establish the culture of where we are as, a, as, a, as people first and then where are we as a crew, as a shift, as a station, however your department works, We create a culture where it's okay to talk about mental fitness, talk about mental health, to use each other, to build positive relationships, to make these as as good as we possibly can be. So are you building a culture where it's okay to talk about this stuff? How about your fire department? Is it okay to talk about mental health, mental fitness, resiliency? Or are you met instantly with negative connotation of, hey, you just need to suck it up? So that's probably a culture that we really need to work hard on changing. Realize that frustration is a normal human emotion and it typically means that people actually care, which is a really good thing. Frustration over really long periods of time that never goes away is toxic. It's toxic for you. If you're frustrated all the time, that's toxic emotion for you. It's toxic for the people around you and it's only gonna get worse. So use the tools that are available to you and those tools can be free like a breathing practice in and out through your nose. You can work on box breathing. You can work on cadence breathing anything like that. And again, lots more resources coming on how to use breathing um, for human performance. We've got to establish healthy parameters around conflict and define what conflict means for each member. Some people don't shy away from conflict, but they have bad delivery. Some people don't shy away from conflict. They have great delivery. And some people really shirk from conflict and they just let stuff fester until it blows up or they just remove themselves completely and either leave that shift, leave that crew, maybe even leave the fire department because conflict is not welcome. So how are you addressing conflict? How do you deal with conflict? Do you look at conflict as a positive or negative, right, when I say that word? What is that emotional attachment to that word conflict? And as a crew, um, as a team, figure out how are you going to address conflict? How, you know, who's, who's allowed to initiate conflict? Can the most junior member initiate conflict with the chief of department if they don't agree with something in a positive and a respectful way, but say, hey, chief, I don't, I have some concerns with this and they are 
boom, 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 boom. How is that going to be received? I'm not sure very many fire departments that's going to be received very well. And that's an opportunity for us just at the crew level to really kind of start to change that narrative. As a group, come up with a clear cut why you exist as a company, as a team, as a crew. Why are you in the job that you're in? And this will this is a little bit easier when you do this as a group exercise, but you also should do it as an individual exercise. And there's a whole section on this in our Presilience for the Emergency Scene class. And all of that information is going to be in the show notes. But look at how why are you there? Why do you get up and go to work every single day? And what are those identifying principles that actually define who you are as a human? Not who you are as an emergency service, as a cop, as an EMT, as a paramedic, as a firefighter or as a sport coach, whatever, whatever you are, what are the actual things that identify you? Really important that we understand that and we can go back to those things. So that way, when we experience struggle and we do have to have resilience, we can rest on those identifying principles and we really know who we are. More to come on identity for sure um, in relation to sports psychology. When we talk about identity as a group, really allow those people around you to kind of drive that conversation and figure out who do we want to be as a crew? And just listen, you know, really, what do we want to be? What, what identifies us and how are we going to attract if we're meeting those metrics or those marks? And I think you're going to be really surprised at the positive conversations that come out of that and the reasons why people show up every day. And once we can make that connection and we understand what the identifying principles are of each person on our crew, and then we also understand what the identifying principles are us as a company, we can really start to grow leaps and bounds, which builds greater resist, resilience before we're ever going to need it. Clear-cut expectations is a huge one. So um, ambiguity creates a lot of strife and pain and stress in people's lives. So when things aren't very clear as to what's expected, who's doing what, role clarity, things like that, you're going to have people that are very, very stressed out, which leads to lower overall resilience. So talk about expectations from, from every rank level. If you can only control that at your crew level, that's fine. What's expected of the most junior member? all the way up to the officer in charge. And then hold each other accountable to that. Hold yourself accountable to that. These need to be able to grow, change, um, and progress along the way. So these things that we're going to write them down, we're going to post them, we're going to share them, we're going to give them to people that are working overtime or trades on our our crew. We're going to create an environment that it's okay to kind of challenge. We're going to have a good positive mentality. We're going to know who we exist. We're going to know how we measure why we exist. And we're going to know how we measure those metrics. Um, we're going to invite those people into that because they're the guests with us that day. And um, we're going to really establish that culture. So expectations, they're going to know what to expect of me and then also what I expect of them. And we eliminate that ambiguity. And then that way on the emergency scene, we can get after it and do what we do because we've already had those conversations. And finally, I think, you know, as a company or as an organization, you know, sweat hard work within areas of competency. And for us as firefighters, for us as emergency responders, basic skills is really where we like to train. We really, really like to train in competency because it's very, very important when that 911 call happens. We got to be ready for whatever that 911 call is, and we need to come up with a solution for the customer. And so sweat, hard work um, doesn't only mean necessarily on the drill ground, but in this connotation, I'm going to say competency. We got to be competent in how we communicate. We got to be competent within our roles and we got to be competent for the customers, both internally and externally. So own your position and be competent. And if you're nervous about something, then ask for help. I think if we have some good humility and we say, hey, 
I'm really nervous about if I have to throw this ladder by myself, can you come out and teach me something and help me? And if you meet resistance with that, well, they probably are in the same way. So have a good, healthy conversation about, well, why won't you come and help me? Um, Maybe we can learn this together. Or I bet you're going to be surprised by that salty old dude is going to get out there and he's going to show you something that's pretty awesome. And maybe you're going to start to change that training mentality within your company right there. You're going to connect with those people. So in conclusion, resilience to me is, is very, very important. And we need to keep tabs on this from when we start the job all the way until you retire, however long that is, or you decide to leave this career, um, firefighting specifically. Resilience is a very, very um, foundational concept that you're going to have to play off of for your entire career. But I don't want you to only think about resilience of, well, I'm going to see some bad stuff on 911 calls. We need to be resilient in all aspects of our life so that way we can stay happy, healthy, and strong and finish happy, healthy, and strong and retire happy, healthy, and strong. So thanks for spending a few minutes with us. Please rate, review, follow the show. Um, the way that the, the social machines work is reviews and ratings really do help. So please share this with, with people you think would benefit from this. It certainly doesn't need to be limited to emergency responders. Um, hit us up at firefightercraftsmanship.com with topic ideas or guest ideas. We'd love to hear from you. And we're more than happy for you to nominate yourself as well. In celebration of this podcast finally becoming a reality, we're offering 25% off of our most popular self-paced course titled Presilience for the Emergency Scene. So building resiliency before we actually need it. And this is a four-module course that's going to walk you through all these parts and pieces with tons of take-home resources that you can work on um, outside of the course and really ebb and flow and develop over your career. So head over to firefightercraftsmanship.com backslash training and enter the code PODCAST23, PODCAST23, all one word, at checkout to get a 25% off discount on this class. Thank you for listening to the Firefighter Craftsmanship Podcast where we give you real tools to train ultimate human performance both on and off the emergency scene. You can find more information on our webpage at firefightercraftsmanship.com, including all the classes that we offer, and there's plenty of free resources and training on the site as well. Reach out to us on social media, including Instagram and Facebook. We'd love to have a conversation and figure out how we can help you achieve your goals. Stay smart. Stay smart.